Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is the score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The Score! Now fans start to stand. Both Cub fans and Cardinal fans stand. This is what a rivalry is all about. And the 3-2 on the way. Ball strike three. Edmund barking at Bruce Druckmann. The inning is over. F. Ross gets the strikeout. That was a big big moment in yesterday afternoon's Cubs win. It is hit and run here. Sunday mornings on 670 The Score. Matt Spiegel with you. Love talking Cubs and White Sox in this two-team town every Sunday morning. And as I'm watching that thing yesterday, I'm like, oh boy, that is a promotional moment for robotic umpires. And I'm sure that Scott Efros himself understood that. Scott joins us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. I mean, the call went your way, Scott. But, woof. I mean, did you know it was outside? Did you play dumb and pretend it wasn't as you walked off? How did that go for you yesterday, sir? Hey, good morning, Matt. Good morning. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, obviously a big moment, like you said. Um Made had the had the pitch that I thought um, was going to get him out in that situation. Um, to me, it looked you know a little bit closer on the mound. Obviously, you know pitchers kind of pitchers kind of mindset there, but um, obviously those things happen in baseball. Um, tight game. Um, just happy we were able to kind of get out of it and keep the keep the situation where it was at the time. So well, the the pitcher's mindset is is interesting because that matters a hell of a lot more than what it looked like on television and what they we talk what jamokes like me talk about with the strike zone. Like they, they talk about pitching with conviction and that if you hit your spot, sometimes you get rewarded by the umpire, even if it is a little outside. Did did that did you do exactly what you wanted to with that pitch and did the ump know it, you think? Yeah, yeah. So earlier, earlier in the bat, I threw him pretty much the exact same pitch. Um, maybe caught a little bit more plate. So when we got to three two, um, that was kind of my mindset. Just kind of you know see if we can get one there. Uh, obviously, Edmund, great hitter. Don't want to give him something he can drive and tie the game right there. So you know, obviously, bases loaded. Don't want to walk the guy, but still make a competitive pitch. So 
that was the pitch. That was the pitch we went with, and you know, um, could have been a fifty-fifty call either way. But you know, happy I got the call that time. Scott Efros is a grizzled veteran of MLB. I mean, last year fourteen games. This year twenty-five. When you got these puppies coming up yesterday, you know, you're seeing Swarmer for his second start and then Killian for the first start. Are you giving advice, a lot of advice? I mean, you've been around a long time now, Scott. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, all my uh, half a year of experience, I guess, uh, I'm, learning, <laughs> I'm learning on the fly. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's great to see these younger guys come up and succeed. I uh, got, got a chance to – I actually had never met Caleb before, uh, but after my outing, got to talk to him a little bit in the clubhouse just kind of going over the hitters, seeing the excitement in his face. And um, he did a great job for us last night as did form the first game. So um, really, really cool to kind of, you know, take a step back and, and see the excitement for these guys coming up in their first opportunities and kind of, you know, it's, it's what Major League Baseball is all about is, you know, um, you know, young guys coming up, making their dreams come true, getting their families there to see everything. So really cool moments uh, yesterday for for both our starters. Yeah, that, that's it, man. It's like the, all of us grow up wanting to play, and then maybe you realize you can't, and you start talking about it instead. Um, you know, and, and or or you get there and and you, and you get that that dream. Like, so that what what did yours feel like? I mean, do you still do you still feel any of the butterflies that you felt when you came up, or do you feel like a grizzled vet at this point, Scott? Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel feel a butterfly, especially in games like last night. I mean, you know, last night's um, last night's game felt like the first kind of time it was like a playoff game in the regular season. We obviously didn't didn't come out with the win, but there was a ton of ton of big moments, ton of big pitches made. Um, two really good teams um, played really well, so uh, moments like that still give you butterflies for sure. And I'm sure you could ask guys who had a lot more experience than I have. They'd answer the same way, but yeah, for me, you know, I I still feel like I'm learning, you know, every day when I'm up here, and I think that's kind of the goal is to take something out of each game, you know, no matter if it's you know this year for my first full season or you know three, four, five down years down the road if I'm lucky to stay stay in this game long enough. But um, yeah, I, you know, you know, my debut is special. Obviously, I think everybody's is special, and just being able to kind of fulfill the moment that you dream about as a child, um, and and kind of you know you know live it out with uh, you know generally speaking with the people you love that are there support that have supported you this whole time is, is, is super special. So um, like I said, just, you know, uh, you know, Caleb was beaming yesterday when, when I talked to him and like after the game, was like, how was it? You know, he said, he's like, ah, oh, it was great. Like he was just smiling at ear. So um, just that kind of, you know, childhood, childhood game uh, moment for, for guys like him and, everybody who gets called up. So cool. Um, Scott Efros is with us here on 670 The Score. I was at the game last night, as as was Sean, the producer, and it did have that vibe. It's interesting that you say it felt like a, a playoff game, and obviously it's not, but it's the Cardinals, and it's a Saturday night, and it's beautiful, and you won the first one. You want to take the second one, and you got those, those, those kids pitching, and on a Caleb night, it was big. And then there's Morell. Like, Morell and, and Wilson, the thing that they have right now, one, two – just the way that they communicate and kind of the energy they're like feeding to each other back and forth. They, there's something going on there. It's an electricity that you can feel, can't you? And, and when Morell tied it up with that, with that double, was it the sixth or the seventh or whatever? Like that, that moment was, was outrageous. How was that moment? And what's it like watching the two of them in the dugout when you're there? It's great. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I mean, yeah. When he hit that ball, it's like, it's kind of like the way he's been going lately. It's like, Oh, you know, the next thing is just better than whatever he did previously. And just being able to, 
I think the most impressive thing to me is like, yes, he's got all the tools in the world to, to, to be a successful big leaguer, but just the at bats, he's, he's kind of grinding out and, and getting to getting guys, you know, Oh two, but you know, fouling off pitches, taking really tight, tight pitches against some of the best, some of the best stuff in the league is, is absolutely impressive for a guy his like incredibly impressive for a guy his age and, you know, being able to stay on good pitches and drive things, <laughs> drive things to the, you know, to, to get guys home in that situation is, is so cool. And um, I'm sure you felt in the stands, you know, that, that moment was, was pretty special for, for all of us there. And, you know, to be able to have the game in the moment, um, just really, really cool um, to see him and yeah, him, him and Willie going back to back. That's a, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad they're on our side. Um, <laughs> don't want to, <laughs> they're they're They got something going right now. So it's, it's a lot of fun to watch and, you know, it's great when the offense is clicking and, and we're able to, you know, especially one, two in the order is kind of, kind of cool to be able to get that going, you know, quick in the ball game or, you know, whenever we roll back over the top of the order. Mm, 17 plate appearances uh, Christopher Morell has had that have gone to a full count. He's got three hits and nine walks in those 17 yeah. plate appearances. He, it, he, he crouches a little bit. He's got like a two strike approach where he crouches a, a little bit and he tries to put the ball in play. It's sometimes, you know, kids come up here and, and they figure it out on the big league level and, and, uh, and a boy can dream as you watch right now. Scott Efros joining us right here on hit and run. Okay. So about three years ago, all-star break at West Tennessee is when you dialed in on being a side armor for 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 full time. Is that right? Tell us about that decision and and what you did once you decided to do that full time. Yeah, so yeah, all star break in double A. Um we were uh at home and it was uh Knoxville, Tennessee and our um Pitching coach, uh, Ron Flown, who's our AAA pitching coach at the time, comes up to me in the outfield, you know, it's like, say, hey, you know, the organization wants to, to speak with you about uh, potentially dropping down and, and changing your arm slot. And, you know, obviously, first kind of instinct is like, oh, wow, this is, you know, quite quite a, you know, quite an adjustment, it sounds like. So took me definitely off guard. Um, but, you know, after having a couple conversations with the front office and, and the pitching department about, you know, why they thought it'd be beneficial, you know, I kind of came to say, okay, you know, like, let's, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on board and I've talked to my wife and, and family and, and trying to, you know, figure out like what the best decision was for me is, um, you know, we decided to go with it. And once I went down to, uh, so I spent the next two months in Arizona um, at our spring training facility, just kind of almost like mental rehabbing a, uh, like my, my arm slot. So hmm. um, we kind of worked every day to kind of find the arm slot that would, um, find the arm slot that would be the most effective as far as combining the stuff that I was already doing with uh, a little bit more deception. Cause the biggest issue for me at the time, I was a very, you know, I, I like to say a very average double a reliever at the time. Um, just never found my consistency and had good pitches, but was never able to string a, a, a run together of, you know, good outings. And I think for me, um, the organization looked at me and said like, you know, we like his stuff. Um, but I think we can add some more deception in there and give us a different look that we didn't have at the time in the minors. So, um, yeah, I went down to Arizona for two months, um, kind of just threw every day and tried to find an arm slot that worked for us and um, got to some live BPs down there, got to some games down there, uh, went out to high at the time, which was Myrtle Beach, um, and then finished in the following that year um, with some success. And, you know, kind of went from there, and it kind of looked like it was, you know, okay, this could work, and, and um, you know, you know, we'll see and kind of, you know, it felt it started to feel comfortable and then 2020 comes along and 
didn't get to play in that season um, because of the pandemic. But um, at home where I live in Pittsburgh um, and where I'm originally from, Cleveland, we had a group of guys who were kind of in the same boat, um, weren't playing or were college guys that were trying to, you know, um, stay ready to, to be back to go to uh, college for their, you know, fall seasons or whatever. So we got a group of guys together and threw live VPs like twice a week. And I credit a lot of that time to um, the success I'm having right now because I was able to pretty much strip away all the competitive nature that goes along with the full season of baseball, especially learning a new arm slot for my first time um, and able to focus on my mechanics and my pitches and everything. And I was in constant communication with the uh, Cubs pitching department at that time. Craig Breslow was, was instrumental in that um, as far as like helping me um, along with what we needed to do. So when I came into 2021, I felt like I had the foundation of what I wanted to do as a sidearm pitcher and um, came into spring minor league spring training in 2021, um, had some success. Um, success um, went out to double A for a month, uh, got called up to triple A, uh, was there for three months, and then got the call uh, end of August to, to kind of come up. So when you lay it out like that, it kind of sounds like a quick process, but you know, it's definitely <laughs> been um, a, lot of, a lot of work that went into it and, and, you know, I, I always like to say I, I am incredibly grateful for almost the second chance that the Cubs gave me. You know, they, they easily could have made some other decisions with me um, as far as that goes, but they saw something in me that, um, you know, I, I am super, super grateful that they allowed me to kind of take this journey and become a, almost a new pitcher. Um, so it's uh, seemed to work out for um, for this uh, for, for this point, uh, <laughs> this far, and, you know, hoping to kind of keep it going, I guess. So. Yeah. That's that's it's a great story and it's super instructive because a lot of times somebody's got to get cut to have that moment. I remember talking to, um, God, the side armor. God, his name's escaping me. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pirates came up as a as an overhand pitcher and then ended up being a side armor. Played pitch for the White Sox, lasted a good long time in MLB. Um, I, I forget his name. It's driving. Me. Is it another Zach? Could be another. No, no, not not Cishek. Um, but he he had the moment. He had the moment lying in his pool in his backyard, realizing, you know what, my career is probably going to end. Oh, you know what I should do? I should probably try yeah. throwing sidearm. And and he, he figured it figured it out and did it. It's like you got to you got to face that um, that moment with an open mind, as, as as you did. Good for you. I love hearing about that 2020 season, playing with the pros and the college guys around Pittsburgh, and not having the um, not not having the the pressure of competition there to think about as, as you're doing your thing, who, who were some of those guys, some of those guys who were in the pros who, who listeners might know who you were also playing with. Yeah. So it was honestly a lot of minor. It was honestly a lot, a lot of minor league guys. Cause the, the big league guys were, um, big guys were playing and, and we actually got a, a chance to, to have a few big league guys with our YBP group when they were getting ready for their season. But it was pretty much everybody who was just, you know, kind of in the same boat, like uh, high A, low A, who weren't going to the alt site and, and kind of um, um, we're just kind of stay ready. So, like I said, I, I credit that time. We had a great group of guys. Um, I credit that time to just, like you said, just being able to, because when you go through a season, obviously, like everything is, is results-based. And especially for me, like, you know, this, that would have been the first time I would have gone through a full season with my new arm slot. So I think just being able to, focus on my mechanics and focus on my actual pitches versus trying to, um, you know, get guys out and get get out of innings and make pitches and get out of jams is, is kind of, um, it was, it was huge for me. And it, it completely shifted my mindset of as what I wanted to do as a pitcher. And you, and you actually mentioned um, Steve Ciszek. Um He was 
instrumental in me kind of transitioning, not only from me just watching like every single outing he's had um, and trying to emulate <laughs> what he's doing on the mound, but um, I actually got to speak with him pretty early on in the process. Um, got in touch with him and, and such a generous guy with his time. And we just, I kind of just wanted to pick his brain and said, Hey, you know, like, uh, like what, what am I doing? And, and like, kind of like, what, what do you do so well? And, and how, how have you been able to maintain this for such a long successful career? And, you know, just such, such a super nice guy. He was with us at the time in 19. So mm-hmm. um, obviously um, in the same organization, but um, really, really cool to kind of pick his brain and, and hear how he kind of, you know, goes about his process and what he does successfully and like how he thinks about hitters. So um, we still t- keep in touch occasionally, but you know, it's, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, I think we get to play the, the nationals here in a, a month or so. So happy to excited to see him and, you know, obviously one of the best to do it um, from the side. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love hearing those kind of stories. Uh, Zach Duke is who I was thinking of left-handed pitcher. So, you know, pr- gotcha. not, 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 not a good enough, uh, comp for the uh, for the lefty righty so I, I had a moment as a kid Scott Efros I had a moment I think I was 13 where I was throwing and I, I decided to throw sidearm and I had a moment of thinking like oh my god I think it was lasted about 20 minutes I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna make it to the major leagues I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it because I thought I was Dan Quisenberry or Kent Tocolvi like I just had yeah. that I had that feeling and what I noticed or what I felt like I noticed is as I fell off to the right side as I was pitching right-handed I felt like my ball had this natural cut back to the right side, like it looked like a screwball or something. And mm-hmm. then, and that's just what it felt like. Um, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But as I'm, <laughs> as I'm looking at you and reading about some of your pitches, like you've got, you, you've got a pitch that acts that way, that you throw to lefties, that it, it's kind of like a left-handed slurve is what Daniel Mosco is, the assistant pitching Coach, like it, it's not a right-handed changeup. So that is when you're throwing that right-handed, that's breaking in, um, right? That's that. Tell me about that pitch. Tell me about your changeup and the way that it's that it's moving, if you would. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, it's funny you actually mentioned Kent Tocolvi. Uh, just a quick side story. Um, yes, yes, my, please. When we were when we were growing up, me and my dad, you know, we'd go to baseball fields and and he would always drop down for a pitch, like every now and then when he's throwing me batting practice and. He was just like Ken Jacoby when he was dropping down. So that's that, that's something we kind of joke about now. I know he's listening. So I um, wanted to give him a shout out there. But Love it. He, uh, yeah, so so um, with the changeup, it, it's kind of just been it, – it's one of those pitches. I'm sure you can ask any pitcher, but, like, it's one of those pitches that you kind of have to throw a lot to kind of get a consistent feel for. Uh, you know, they say it's a feel pitch. So I've just been able to throw it more and, and find it – find good, good at-bats or – good parts of the at bat to, to throw it. And, and the more I throw it with conviction, the better it feels. So I, I've always, I've always been happy with the shape of it. It's just kind of like now I'm kind of throwing it more consistently. So um, I'm able to kind of, um, uh, you know, throw it in bigger spots or throw it when I need a, a swing and miss type pitch. So to both sides of the plate and uh, the kind of the shape is, is it, the way I'm throwing it is I like to think of me trying to get on top of the ball almost from the side. So hmm. it doesn't have, um, it doesn't have like a, a, a hump to it when it comes out of my hand. Um, I think that would be a dead giveaway for a hitter if they see like something coming, coming up and down. Um, and obviously I'll still throw something like that. You know, it's, it's a hard pitch to kind of make perfect each, each time, but um, just really kind of having conviction and throwing it um, allows it to go through the zone and then, and then kind of, you know, fade off to the right um, 
I guess like, yeah, in, into a right ear, away to a lefty. So I feel like I'm having confidence throwing it to both sides of the plate right now. And um, it's definitely been, you know, a huge, huge weapon for me so far this season. Well, um, I, I could do this all day. I, I really enjoy talking with you and love talking baseball and love learning stuff from you. But um, you've been ge- generous with your time. Let me ask you this. How daunting was Kyle Schwarber at the plate at Indiana? <laughs> Your teammate. The, the, most, the, most, the most daunting. He, he was every bit of, you know, the, the folklore in college. Uh, just, you know, kind of just mashing baseballs. We had such a good lineup at the time. Uh, Sam Travis, another Chicago guy. Um, him, and, him, and, him and Kyle back to back in our lineup was, was a deadly combo. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm again, Another another group of guys. I'm happy I didn't have to face too much. So um, he was, you know, he's he's the best. I'm, I'm ha- he's, you know, he started to um, heat up a little bit in Philly. So I'm happy to see that. Obviously, not too much when when we have to face him, but um, super great guy. And and you know, we've we've stayed in touch over the years. But yeah, in, in college, he was. He was every bit of the uh, the Schwarber you see now. So yeah, well, you, you remember, like, I mean, at, at the time, right after he was drafted, when he was going crazy at a ball. That's I, I was the one I was at a at a party with some uh, Cubs executives and I said to one of them, hey, man, the Schwarber guy's tearing it up, huh? And the guy turned to me with a drink in his hand and said, he's babe effing Ruth is what is what. <laughs> and, and I shared that story on the air and it became like everybody's certain he's babe effing Ruth because that's what the scout. That's what Stan Zielinski had said. He got on a yep. table and said he's babe effing Ruth. Did you guys hear about yep. that? Did you never know about that? Yeah. Yeah, I did because I I also had Stan who drafted me. Um, one of my you know favorite people I've ever met, obviously. Wow. Um, gone too soon, and 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 you know I, I you know credit him for you know giving me the the opportunity I have today. But um, he uh, yeah, I, that's that's a that's a pretty uh, <laughs> that's a pretty good story right there. And you know I I know Stan went to bat for him to get him picked that high, and and obviously it worked out with uh, you know him coming back and being a, a a hero in the World Series in '16. So you know he's he, he works hard. He's just such a good, he's such a talented hitter and, you know, um, does, does kind of everything, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty good story right there. I believe it. Um, Scott, thanks so much, man. Congrats on the success and, uh, keep sticking, stay curious and, uh, you know, you're going to have a good long career. Thanks man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Thanks, Matt. All right. You got it. That's Scott Efros of the Chicago Cubs right there. Pretty interesting, huh? That's a thoughtful dude. Um, and a guy who figured out side-arming and continues to work on it. 670, the score is where you are. It's Matt Spiegel who you're with on Hit and Run. We'll talk Cardinals and umpiring and Joe West and Jerry Reinsdorf and Hawk Harrelson in about 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, But in between then and now, we'll look at your texts. We will react about all things Cubs and White Sox on Hit and Run here on 670, the score. Hit and Run, Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Left center field, a base hit. That's going to be in the gap. It is backhanded by Newtbar, racing to third Madrigal on a double by Morrell. Dubs at second and third, nobody out. That was a great moment last night in that Cubs game. Cubs splitting a doubleheader yesterday, second doubleheader of the week, nine games in seven days. Uh, They're on the homestand. Meanwhile, the White Sox in Toronto, or sorry, in Tampa after getting swept out of Toronto 
and lost the first one in Tampa, but took last night's game three to two. Timely home run from Jake Berger. Danny Mendick, some real good defense to help Kendall Graveman get out of a jam in the eighth inning. And Mendick with a couple of hits. So Mendick and Berger, your big hits in the eighth, and Mendick the defense in the eighth. And then Liam Hendricks shuts down the Rays in the ninth and looked very good throwing both pitches. So White Sox problems are solved. White Sox problems are all solved, right, everybody? Oh, maybe not. But it is a win, and a win is good. Win is necessary. Lucas Giolito today, starting for the White Sox against Tampa. Let's go to the phone line. Stan from Bellwood is here to chat some baseball on Hit and Run. Hello, Stan. Good morning. Hello, my friend. How you doing? I'm okay. Um, great show as usual, Speaks. Um, Scott Efros is thought. You know, Scott Efros is an interesting dude, isn't he? He's a thoughtful guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. He is. Um, but I, you know, I wanted to get back though, uh, if you don't mind. Yes, to please. the uh, and I don't want to revisit all of the. Uh, I, I hear you on not wanting to, you know, beat our heads against the wall about uh, the White Sox getting rid of Tony La Russa. We all know it's not going to happen. Hmm. But um, you were talking about Joe Girardi yeah. a little while ago um, and the Phillies firing him. And it kind of highlights the unpredictability of baseball when you look at the, the Phillies and the White Sox because on the surface, they're the same team, the Phillies and the White Sox. They're in, in pretty much the same situation, uh, big disappointment, um, and a glorified softball team. They, both both teams have a slew of underperforming uh, DHs. Uh, both teams have atrocious defenses uh, and inconsistent bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Girardi is a blue chip, uh, highly successful manager, but the Phillies got rid of him because their season is pretty much over now uh, because of the presence of the New York Mets in the American League East. And it was only really going to get worse for the Phillies because the Mets still have DeGrom and Scherzer coming back. <laughs> so it, it's pretty much over for the Phillies. Even, even They turn it around, actually, a little bit since firing uh, Girardi. But the White Sox, on the other hand, the same team, uh, as the Phillies, maybe even a little worse. The White Sox are on a pace actually right now to only win 76 games. Um, they're in third place in the Central, not second. Uh, you, you, you mentioned the minus 57 run differential, but the difference between the two divisions is the Mets in the American League East and the Twins in the Central. You know, I'm looking at the standings this morning in the paper. And for the life of me, I can't say, with all of the negativity and poorness of play with the White Sox, they are only three games on the loss side behind the Twins. How is that even possible? The the (laughs) Twins have only lost three games fewer than the White Sox. That speaks, that can be wiped out. Yes, it can. In one series. I know. And here's the thing. I had series on the weekend. Here's the thing, Stan. Stan, the White Sox's chances. The the Twins have 18 players on their 40-man roster 
who are unavailable to play right now via injury or COVID or restricted list um, because they're in Toronto. 18 out of 40. They are battered. They're battered. So, and and they'll go out and they'll trade for more, but yeah, that's, that's the standard bear and they're good and they are for real, but they're still gettable. That is the nature of this division in this season, without a doubt. That's, it's really something. And, And it just, you know, I think the first thing you said out of the box uh, when you started your show was what gives you hope. You know, I've been very, very bearish, not bullish on the White Sox's chances over the last month. But they're still in it and can still win it and can still win it easily just based on being the American League Central and, and you know, playing in the American League Central. So you can't do as bad as the White Sox have been. You can't dismiss their chances. No, you, you can't. You have to uh, – Play it out. Well, you know, and let, and let me tell you, Stan, and thank you for the call, as always. Great stuff. I I really wish they would fire the manager. This is, this is a moment that calls for it. It really does. It's not going to happen. But the new manager bump is real, and the need of this team to, uh, to wake up, to be punched in the face by their own management and ownership this team needs that they need to be awoken they absolutely do been playing some very uninspired sleepwalky kind of ball so but it's not going to happen it's not going to happen so you're hoping that the hitters bounce back enough that especially that the lefties of consequence Moncada and Grandal start performing at the plate and if they don't you're kind of screwed because those guys will have to play and there aren't a lot of lefty bats in the system that he could bring up and go even the guy that I called for Lennon Sosa a while ago that's a righty but still like Sheets and Moncada and Grandal being counted on to be the lefties that matter and they're just not doing it so you need those guys to wake up and they need new blood but it is absolutely a moment where firing the manager would make all the sense in the world. Maybe they'll fire the hitting coach. And I'm not even, I'm not even sure he doesn't deserve it. I don't know. I mean, like there, there's an overall lack of a, uh, a, a, of a sensible approach when you're counting desperately and banking desperately on these two lefties to take some walks and, and balance out some of the numbers since you as a team are dead last in walks in MLB. Dead last. As we look at team hitting stats around the league, right? All 30 teams. The White Sox have 117 walks, dead last. Next are the Tigers, bad. The Rangers, pretty bad. The Royals, pretty bad. The Guardians, right there with you. That's your bottom five. And the White Sox desperately need to have more on-base percentage. They are 28th of 30 in OBP. 28th of 30. In terms of OPS, on-base plus slugging, they're 28th of 30. It's crazy. And they need to slug to overcome so many of the ugly inconsistencies. They're 23rd in home runs with 45 homers. 
there's just not enough slug on this team to uh, withstand and survive. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Um, When we come back, we'll talk to Joe Roderick, St. Louis radio human to talk Cardinals and producer of the Joe West podcast. Want to get some stories and we'll hear about Jerry Reinsdorf, who's on that podcast, as a matter of fact. So we'll learn some Cardinals. Final hour of the show is going to be very open for you guys via call and text. And we'll have some very cool sound that you'll need to hear as well. Keep it right here on Hit and Run. It's Matt Spiegel with you on a Sunday morning on The Score. Hit and Run, Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Fly ball, right center, trouble. Back toward the wall. That ball is gone for a three-run homer. Paul Goldschmidt goes the other way. Drives one over the wall in right center. And just like that, St. Louis takes a 4-3 lead. That from Friday, that dude is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Highlight courtesy of 670 score, the great Pat Hughes. Had a lovely time last night uh, at Wrigley and had a chance to run into this guy over at Gallagher Way just before. In town, up from St. Louis to watch the Cardinals do their thing uh, and hang out with his buddy who lives across the street. Life is pretty good for Joe Roderick at Joe Rod Media at Joe Roderick on 670 The Score. Man does a lot of things all the time, every day, in the baseball media universe. Joins us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Joe? What's going on, man? Hey, good seeing you last night. Yes, uh, very, very much enjoyed seeing you, and we acted out a play in front of the Ron Santos statue for your boy who wanted to take a picture. So how'd that turn out, by the way? I was I was trying to get my stretch on as the first baseman, fielding the throw from the Santos statue, and your boy was making himself the runner. I tried to make my wife be the umpire, but she was not game, which I did not appreciate, and that will be dealt with later on at home. My friend, and then we also had a uh, we also had a little like five year old kid that did not get out of the way of that picture either. He um, he he just stayed there, and I didn't really know how to approach that. I just, I didn't know if we should just go up to the child and say, "Hey, move." Three adults are trying to uh, recreate something here with the statue. I, I didn't know how that would go over with the don't, kid's dad. Yeah, don't you think? Um, don't you think that there was one time when Santo made a throw across the diamond to Ernie Banks at first, and there was a little kid out there? That's the moment we were recreating, Joe. Yeah, I mean, fans ran on the field all the time back in the day. It's just they. Was... <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Um, so, it, it start with Goldschmidt. During the hitting streak, I think he hit like 430 with lots of slug, too. I mean, he's preposterous. When he gets going, there's very few like him in MLB. And and the cards have gotten going along with him during this streak, haven't they? Yeah, and it's so even I mean, he still has the on-base streak going, too. And he still he just manages to get on base it seems like 80% of the time now it is. And we went back because in the month of May, I I don't know if you saw this stat. I I think it was, I can't remember if it was John Heyman or somebody posted it, that he became the first Cardinal to bat over 400 and have 10 plus home runs in a month in a calendar month since Stan Musial back in 1953. And we were going back at some of wow. Albert Pujols' greatest seasons. I mean, the three MVPs he won with the Cardinals. 
and we were going back and looking at like every month of his stats and polls came nowhere close to doing any of this. And you remember all the magical seasons he had the first, the first half of his career in St. Louis and Paul Goldschmidt's doing things that Albert never did. And that's, that's just how much of a tear he's been on. And there's been so much reminiscing of Albert's career this year with him being back and, you know, the, the kind of the last dance, the Cardinals last dance that they're, they're going through this year with Pujols and Wainwright and Molina and, you know, to to say that he to say that Paul Goldschmidt's doing stuff that Albert never did is it's insane. Wow. Um. It, it, so, how healthy is this organization? It, are they still the Cardinals of uh, of my youth, of everybody's youth since George Kissel like installed the Cardinals way in the '30s and the '40s and taught it to Earl Weaver, who took it to Baltimore. Like it, they still seem to have a very healthy scouting and development. Uh, department that keeps supplying young talent, which is the key to sustaining excellence. Yeah, they they have. When we're seeing right now all the young talent that they have, you're seeing Juan Yepes, you're seeing Brendan Donovan, you're seeing Nolan Gorman, who who just got called up. But what what's really kind of tying the whole thing together is you have these veterans. You have the the three guys that I already mentioned that are in their last season. But then you have Arenado and you have Goldschmidt that are – they really are the leaders of the clubhouse. You know what you're getting when you go and walk into a clubhouse and Albert Pools and Yadier Molina are there and Adam Wainwright's the face of the pitching staff. But your two best players are two veterans who just command so much respect that it's almost – you know they're, they're teaching these guys – how to play the game and how to continue on doing everything the you know what, what is the cardinal way of, yeah. of sorts and you know Juan Yepes is you know I, yesterday was kind of the Brendan Donovan game and we saw the big home run from Nolan Gorman but I'm really excited about Juan Yepes uh, a few weeks ago they were it was um, the the what the Sunday morning game and Jason Benetti was was on the call with Bob Walk and Jim Edmonds <laughs> and it was in Pittsburgh. And during the game, they had Albert Pujols on uh, from the dugout. And Albert was saying just how Juan Yepes follows him around like a shadow and just wants to learn everything from him and wants to just learn how to hit. And when you look at Yepes, you kind of see a, a young Albert Pujols in, in him. So it's, it's a really nice mixture of all these rookies along with all the older guys. Joe Roderick, uh, St. Louis media darling media star, media giant, I don't know, uh, joins <laughs> us uh, right here on 670 The Score on Hit and Run. The Cardinals just a game and a half back of Milwaukee in the National League Central. Among other things you're doing, you're producing the podcast with Joe West, and we had Joe West on Parkins and Spiegel like a month ago, and it was so much fun. And Hawk Harrelson was on our other baseball show inside the clubhouse yesterday morning and was great talking about Joe West. You've recorded with Hawk already, right? Yeah, we we recorded with Hawk a few weeks ago. I don't think that episode's going to come out till maybe July. Okay. I think probably right after the 4th of July just trying to you you know how it works with this. We're trying to balance everything out or our first guest was Mark Grace. This Monday we're having Jerry Reinsdorf, so we we have to save Hawk Harrelson. We can't go to Chicago all the time with a national <laughs> with a national podcast that we want people all over the country to listen to. So we we kind of have to go coast to coast with uh, well, with this and kind of jump around. Well, tell me about Reinsdorf because you recorded with Jerry, and when's that one coming out? 
That one comes out tomorrow. That uh, we recorded with him a few weeks ago. And what's nice about this is being able to do this. They don't talk about the current game. They don't talk about stuff that happened last night in baseball at all. So we could just record these and air them whenever we want. And growing up on on the south side of Chicago and growing up a White Sox fan, listening to Jerry Reinsdorf tell stories of Frank Thomas, tell stories of the 2005 World Series, I'm just sitting there backstage listening to this like a like a kid or like a you know 20 year old when when they won the World Series. And I, I was telling you stories last night. I mean, there's there's stuff that Jerry Reinsdorf talks about that I don't think people have ever heard. Uh, stories of, of him owning the White Sox, owning the Bulls, that, that I don't think a lot of people have heard, and you're going to hear those tomorrow. Wow, very cool. Um, so find that, the Joe West podcast, and you'll find him with Reinsdorf. Uh, it, it has, have you had a current um, umpire on uh, at all yet, or are there plans to have a current umpire on with Joe? I, I don't know if we're having any current ones because I, I don't know who all is still umpire. Like that's It's one of those weird things where he brings up a name and you know the name and you know you've heard the name, and I, I don't know which ones are, are okay. still current. But we have talked about having umpires on. One idea that we had, we were going to get Jerry Crawford and Joey Crawford on together. Oh, there you go. So yeah, and, and, and for those who don't know, that's an NBA longtime NBA ref Joey Crawford, um, and longtime MLB umpire Jerry Crawford. Yes, and uh, but the NBA, I guess Joey Crawford's doing some work with the NBA now, and the NBA won't let him on any media outlet until the finals are done. <laughs> oh, so wow. wow, yeah, yeah. Even though we wouldn't say, I mean, I don't even know if Joe West knows the NBA finals are going on right now, so that wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't matter at all to the interview that we're doing, but I think we have to wait a couple weeks and then kind of uh, circle back on that. Oh, that's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Oh, it, it, of course he wouldn't know. Nobody knows, uh, except, you know, um, everybody who's, who's actually watching that. All right. All right. Um, back to the Cardinals. Um, entertaining to watch Ali, uh, Oliver Marmol get thrown out of that one um, for, for the first game. But how's he doing as a manager? Not a, not a very high profile. And, you know, we're used to dealing man- with managers who are either um, Dancing with the Stars contestants or um, Hall of Famers who wear their rings in the dugout. That's who we get to deal with in town. How's Oliver Marmol? It's uh, it's. I mean, he's been good so far. They're they're on pace to win over ninety games in his first season, and I, I think he's doing a really good job of, of you know, managing everybody, managing the playing time of some of these older guys. Uh, the way he's been using Pujols this year, it's funny. Albert's hitting what two ten on the season, and people are just thrilled with any kind of production that he gives you this year. It's it's the strangest thing to see, knowing what how good he was ten years ago and seeing him now. For that, I, I think the big thing, and I think this is true for every team, I don't know if everybody, if the Cardinals know exactly what the roles in their bullpen are just yet. I have no idea who the Cardinals' closer is right now, and it seems to change every day between Ryan Helsley and Giovanni Gallegos. So I think they that figuring out everybody's role in the bullpen and figuring out who can do what is going to be a big thing. And then – you have a few guys that are hurt right now with the Cardinals that are close to coming back. Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill. Where do they play when when they come back? And you know how how good is Jack Flaherty going to be if if he comes back by the All Star break? And how do you use him? So I think that's when the big questions are going to come up. 
is how you keep everybody happy and how you get playing time because the three young guys that have come up with all these injuries, you, you can't sit Brendan Donovan or Juan Yepes or, or Nolan Gorman right now. So mm-hmm. how, do you make, how do you make all of that work for the remainder of the season? Joe, a pleasure, man. Great to see you last night. Um, and thanks for uh, all the conversation and appreciate it. And Joe, you going to day two? No, no, I'm actually south of Bloomington right now. I'm, uh, I've already hit the road. Two, there two long uh, games is, was enough for me yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, I was telling people the story last night during the game about your, your, your buddy who lives across the street, lives at Clark and Addison, right? It, it, yeah, one of those. My cousin, yeah, oh, he your lives cousin. up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy we took the picture with, the base runner, um, and how you guys were up on the roof. For what the Hella Mega tour last year with Weezer and Green Day, you're up on the roof hanging out, and you were wondering how much they would have to pay you to actually go down and walk into the ballpark <laughs> instead of just hanging out on the roof in the luxury, listening to all the music from across the street. That's that's good living. Yeah, it's good living. Right I know there. you. I want you know you, how how much does it cost to see the stage or just sit and not have to worry about any of that the whole night right. and kind of going back and forth and debating on that. I yeah. think I'm going to do it again for Zach Brown. I think they're coming to Wrigley, so I'm, I am I might go. come back up for that one. All right, see you up there. Me and the wife will see you up there. Thanks so much. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate that. All right, <laughs> that is Joe Crawford joining us right here. Uh, Joe Crawford. Joe Roderick on 670 The Score. Matt Spiegel is me. That's my name. Uh, Sean Sears is my producer. We are here for another hour of baseball talk on a Sunday morning on 670 The Score. Been very guesty. Phone lines are wide open the rest of the show. Actually, it's not true. Chris Kemp is going to join us at 1120 and tie the room together, as the Sultan of Stat likes to do from NBC Sports Chicago. But before that, and then probably after that, phone lines are wide open. At 312-644-6767. Got a White Sox solution? Bring it. Want to give us your thoughts on Caleb Killian or Christopher Morell and other new Cubs? Bring it. We also have a great comp for Morell that came this week on the radio that I want to play for you a little bit later on as well. Should be a fun hour of baseball talk right here. Matt Spiegel with you on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.